The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. 412 years ago today, something very, very important took place. May the 2nd, 1611, and uh, it changed the world. It really did. And the most published book, English-speaking book in all the world, was published on that day. Alex, the King James Version Bible, uh, it is still the most the English-speaking. It is the book that has been printed more than any other book. It has changed the world. It's made the English language one of the greatest languages. And uh, yes, uh, I still love the King James Version of the Bible, although I'm not a King James only guy, but it did make a difference, did it not? Oh my goodness, it made a difference and still is making a difference and uh, will continue to make a difference. And that's part of the reason that we do this program that we feel so honored to do, Exploring the Word. And and you're right, I, I love the King James Bible. My grandmother, uh, you know, I learned a lot of Bible verses at her knee. I'm not King James only. You and I will refer to a number of English translations, but my goodness, what what a significant day the day that the Word of God was put in English, and uh, the ripple effect of that continues even to this very moment. It re- I read the article on it, and the difference it made in America was significant as well. Matter of fact, uh, the Bible that was, the, they got most of the printed Bibles that was used in colonial times from Britain, but then America started publishing uh, the King James Version, and they printed it in small print so the Revolutionary War- Army could have it available carrying it with them. And that is the significance. And I I just wanted to bring that up and say, thank you, Mm -hmm. Lord. And what a difference. Getting the language of the Bible in the language of the people is so vital. It's so vital in mission efforts today. Those unreached Mm -hmm. people groups that does not have any of the Bible. Usually the first one they print, if they get a version, it is the book of John. And, and so, Alex, I just wanted to bring that up and thank God for the written word of God that he gave Amen. to us. What a gift to mankind it was. Do, have you ever heard of uh, Dr. Harold Rawlings? Uh, he's a great uh, speaker. He wrote a book called Trial by Fire, how God's word was put into English. And he's got a um, collection of, I mean, like rare Bibles, like a William Tyndale's Greek New Testament and things like that. And he'll put these on display and then then lecture. And folks, it really is a miracle story how God, you know, he supernaturally inspired his word. He supernaturally preserved his word. Uh, he opens our mind by his Holy Spirit that we can understand the word. But um, do you ever hear of Dr. Rawlings? I have. His... Yes, I realize that. Let me add to that, not only him. Make your way to Washington, D.C. Yes, you want to see the Capitol. You want to see uh, the Jefferson and Lincoln and Washington Memorial, but you want to go to the Museum of the Bible. And uh, you and oh, I have been goodness. there. We've even broadcast from there, and what a treat it was. So anyway, just the Word of God, and that's what we wanted to share with you today. And today we're in Mark chapter 16. Matter of fact, we're finishing it up, and, mm-hmm. and we get to another commission to the church. All four of the Gospels, then in the book of Acts, you have uh, God's instruction that we're to be on mission for him to make Jesus known, aren't we, Alex? Well, we really are. We really are. Uh, Mark 16, wonderful book. And by the way, we're going to wrap up our, our journey through the Gospel of Mark today. We'll get to Bible questions here in a few moments. I, w- I want to give that number if you've got a Bible question. You can call in when we open up the phones in a few minutes, but the number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. The angel at the tomb said, uh, don't be afraid. You seek Jesus. He is not here. He is risen. See the place where they laid him, but go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. We've said this many times, but isn't this beautiful? The last time we saw the Apostle Peter, he was denying Christ, but we serve the God of the second and third and umpteenth chance. <laughs> go, go tell his disciples and Peter. Yeah. 
that he goes before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said. And they went quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. They were speechless. I mean, you know? uh, Isn't that just such an understatement? They ran out of the sepulcher, and they didn't say anything to anybody. There really wasn't anything to be said. Uh, When you see the risen uh, Lord, now this they heard the angel. They knew he was risen. But after you got used to that, listen, they had to— they had to absorb it. They had to understand it. And so, Alex, I believe that is true. They were amazed beyond measure. And I think that's what it says in verse 8. But it says yeah. in verse 9 that it changes a little bit. And Jesus yes. himself starts to appear, and not just angels. Isn't that right? That's true. Yeah. Uh, verse 9, don't you sense that the, the narrative sort of changes gears here? It does. It does. And that's the reason it in the book of Mark, he does that. I want to say this. The book of Mark shows Jesus as a servant. He came not to to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That's in chapter 10, if I remember it. So the whole idea here is is letting them know about Christ and what he's done. Go ahead, Alex. It says, now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, so it's it's Sunday, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. See, verse 10, uh, some have said, well, maybe the disciples had hallucinations. Uh, a number of people have remarked that they really didn't have expectation. You know, very often when people see, you know, uh, an hallucination, they're they're convinced that, you know, well, the person isn't dead, they're here somewhere, and it's almost like mental health professionals say that we sort of condition ourselves into seeing what we want to see. But notice Mark 16.10, the disciples were mourning and weeping. As far as they knew, it was all over. Jesus was dead. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, they didn't believe, verse 11. Yeah. Not only grief, but doubt. That was where they were at, wasn't it? It really was. And and honestly, those two go together a lot of times. You know, uh, when you start grieving over a loss, whatever that loss might be, uh, then you doubt, you doubt God's love. You doubt if you'll ever get better. Will you ever do that? So those, t- those things, I'm not going to say they run exactly parallel, but they do seem to come together. They, But they did not believe her they just could uh they could not believe the good news so after that he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country is that probably the two on the road to Emmaus that we have more details about other places wouldn't you wouldn't you think so? i think it is and wasn't there about 10 appearances all together that 10 or 12 that you can count 12. after the resurrection and yeah. a, a lot of them were on the first day and uh so and you say, how could he get from one place to another? That's that glorified body. He could come through closed doors, and he could be in, with the two on the road to Emmaus in one minute, and then back in Jerusalem in a matter of minutes or seconds. That was yes. what, But he could only appear, it seems, in one place at one time. Isn't that why he said it's necessary for the Holy Spirit to come? Because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. Uh, his omni presence was still real where jesus seems uh, this is just what it seems like alex jesus after his own after the incarnation is only in one place at one time yeah it does appear that way and because of the indivisibility of god father son holy spirit they are not divided one god eternally uh in communion and one in their indivisible essence but you're right um the Spirit of the Lord is omnipresent everywhere. And that's why in John fifteen sixteen Jesus said, you know, it is to your advantage that I go away. It is expedient. Um, you know, Paul uses the word expedient. Jesus used the word expedient. And isn't it good that God does things that are for our benefit? And uh, sending the Spirit certainly was one of those. So uh, they tell it to the residue, neither believe they them, verse 13. Okay, that's three witnesses so far, right? 
Three? I know. I know. Okay, go ahead. And so they're eating. Afterward, Jesus appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. Now, eleven. Why? Because Judas is dead. He, he committed suicide. And Jesus upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now, verse 14 was a verse that impressed C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis wrote about Peter, Edmund, Susan, and Lucy. And when Lucy, this is the Chronicles of Narnia, um, Lucy claimed to have met Aslan, the lion, in Narnia. Aslan represents Jesus. And so the others said, well, we've never known her to lie, and we've never known her to be, you know, delusional. Well, she must be telling the truth. And this verse, Mark 16, 14, is almost like that. Jesus is saying, look, uh, the women, uh, you know they don't lie, and they're not crazy, uh, and they, they say they've seen me. Why didn't you believe them? But obviously meeting the risen Christ, like Saul on the road to Damascus and uh, Thomas, they would believe, wouldn't they? Because the resurrection is that undeniable proof of who Jesus is. Let's go back to verse 14, the 11. We know Judas is not there, and in place of calling it the 12, it was called the 11. But this yeah. seems to be like the first day he met them. And so in the uh, of the 11, only 10 of the 11 are there, but they're still called the 11. And yeah. uh, so make sure, uh, stay with that, think it through as you're studying the Word of God. And, and uh, these questions that we have, listen, if there's not answers that we find in the Word of God, I guarantee you there's answers that are real that one day we'll know. And so he appears to them, and again, he speaks to them. Here we have, what all did he do? And we'll get to the, we're closing in on a minute to the break. But let me share with you. He was visible. Uh, he was audible. And yet he could go from place to place and go through doors. And then he could also consume food. He ate with the two on the road to Emmaus. And so this yeah. is the glorified body. Uh I, I've always been intrigued by that when you study, and he says, we will have a body like and unto his. Uh, Alex, yes. one of these days, it's going to be glorious, isn't it? It's called our glorified body in glory. That sounds pretty good to me. Amen. Well, this is Exploring the Word, folks. Stay tuned after this brief break. We'll wrap up Mark chapter 16 and go to your phone calls. So we're glad you're listening. We'll continue in the Word of God on this edition of the show. Don't go away. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Hubert Hamer, Administrator of the National Agricultural Statistics Service. His office conducts surveys and issues national reports regarding agricultural production, economics, and the environment. Proverbs 9.9 reminds us of the importance of education and gaining knowledge. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Hubert Hamer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Join millions of Americans this week for the National Day of Prayer. Participation is absolutely free. Reserve your online prayer room at pausetopray.org. Pause to pray. Many people think worry is the natural result of having more problems than you have resources. But Dr. Tony Evans says that can never happen once we understand what it means to be a child of our Heavenly Father. He'll explain as we spend two minutes with Tony. There's nothing like a child that doesn't have to worry because they know daddy's got it. That daddy has it, not only because he has the power to have it, but because he's my daddy and he loves me. This is a great teaching moment for the loved ones in your life to know that you don't have to worry. And you should read these verses, Matthew 6, verses 25 uh, to 34. You should read that every day, three times a day. And whenever worry starts bubbling up, you should read it and then you should pray to be reminded, daddy got it. Daddy's in charge. 
Daddy's on a roll. Kids don't worry. Daddy's moving. You want to keep daddy in front of them. You want to keep daddy in front of yourself, in front of your loved ones. You want to keep daddy because when you do, it will become clear daddy really doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, so let yesterday go. Trust God for tomorrow and be at peace with him right now. You plan for tomorrow, but you live by faith today. And when you do, you will see God's spirit allow you to breathe because you know daddy's got it. Learn more about what it takes to build up your immunity to worry. Check out Tony's CD series, Clarity in a Crisis, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. You are the light. So when the darkness falls, the greatest heights, they never seem so tall, no, not at all. You're right. It's my roots that you're growing. Don't want to miss what you're showing. Ain't no doubt about you. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Ain't no doubt about it. Christ is alive and he is the blessing and the joy and the strength that we have for each and every day. You know, we hope that you have that relationship with the Lord Jesus. We often say this, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. And uh, we're going to wrap up Mark 16, but I just want to say that uh, Jesus Christ loves you. And he is so interested in your life. He wants to be a part of your life. And Bert, you know, I tell people, um, and I know you would concur, uh, very, very, very quickly after opening your heart to Christ, you will know it was the greatest decision you ever made. Because, Bert, I just can't imagine getting up out of bed and facing the day and the world in which we live without Jesus Christ. Could could you imagine Uh walking this journey of life without the Lord. It, I don't see how it's possible. I agree with you. I, listen, uh, I saved as a 12-year-old boy. I know I've said this before, and, and I, I, I knew it was real, but I, I wanted to check it out, and I was a fearful kid. I don't know how to explain that, afraid of the dark, afraid of everything. And so when I got home that night on a Tuesday night in August, uh, that was before daylight savings time, so it got dark early. I got home. And I wanted to check it out, and I wanted to walk and see if I was really afraid what would happen. And I want to tell you, I went walking. Now, there there was sun. I met the moon and the stars, not the sun. And uh, so here I was, and I listened. I knew God had made a difference, not just the next day. I knew God had made a difference that very night. And yes, if you've never yes. trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can. And there's our partners that we work with closely, and you can call them. It's Triple Eight Need Him. Triple Eight Need Him. They'd love to talk with you and help you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, because that is exactly what verse 15 tells for us to do, Alex. Let me read it. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, let me see. Every creature, every person, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Again, the important part is the preaching of the gospel in people responding in faith. Now, those signs, that was those apostles and saying, you're going to reach obstacles, and I'm going to clear the way. We see much of that taking place in the book of Acts. Every one of these takes place in the book of Acts, except for, as I know, drinking the poison. And so, mm. Alex, uh, Paul was on the island of Malta, and he was out gathering sticks up because it was cold, and one of the sticks he, he picked up, if I he remember took up right, a was serpent. A, yeah, he didn't mean to. Did he, he didn't, and he got close to the fire, and that cold-blooded serpent, uh, it it came loose from its frill, frozen state, 
and bit Paul. And the funniest thing, I, I find it funny. You know me. I'm looking for laughter. Uh, it says they sat around to watch him die. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, he didn't die, did he? He had taken up that snake and been bitten, and God saw him through it. Yes, I, I know. And uh, you know what? The um, We've had the question before about the verses in Mark chapter 16, and I know this is um, kind of... Uh, you know, miraculous stuff. Now, we know 15, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned, or literally anathema. The King James renders it damned. Very scary here. Uh, But here's the thing. The, the New Testament uses the word baptism in, in several senses. Uh, Galatians says that we're baptized into Christ at the moment we believe. Now, what Mark 16, 16 is not saying is that to be saved, you have to be water baptized. Now, it's a fine thing to be water baptized as a public proclamation of the saving faith you've experienced. But notice, Bert, uh, I believe that it says he that believes and is baptized is the Galatians 3 sense that you're in Christ now. Because in the second clause, it says, but he that does not believe is damned. Now, it doesn't say he that that does not believe and is not water baptized. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. It, Let me say this. In the early, I, I just want to say, when you read this, you read the book of Acts, and it's like the, the Ethiopian eunuch uh, being water baptism after salvation was, uh, let me just say, it was something that you did. So oh, yeah. if it means water baptism, and I, I'm, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but if it's water baptism, he is saying that you've got to believe, and then if you baptized in water, you're saved. But then it says, but if you believe not, it didn't say if you believe not and is not baptized. The ba- the belief and baptism are not on equal footing. Uh, Amen. The belief, right. raise it higher. That is consistent with every time the salvation plan, you call it a plan, uh, anytime salvation is mentioned, it is by faith. And then baptism, two times that we know for it says that. But then this makes it plain. It says, but if you do not believe, you're condemned. It didn't say if you believe and are not baptized, uh, you're condemned. No. And so, Alex, either way, baptism of the Holy Spirit immediately or water baptism that would follow in discipleship and obedience to the Lord, uh, you know, the issue is have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Amen. Now, you know what's so interesting? Let me read 17 and 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now it's interesting, all of those miraculous deeds are only possible through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And what's so interesting, you've heard people talk about the word paraclete the one who comes alongside. Jesus said in John 15, 16, I will send another, the comforter, the paraclete. And the word there that is translated follow or accompany in verse 17, these signs will accompany the believers and the church. It's the word, It's a variation of the word paraclete. Isn't it something? The, the signs of supernatural power come alongside uh, the Christians because we are empowered by the one who comes alongside the paraclete, the, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, Bert, I remember in, in reading the missionary biographers and the, uh, uh, the stories of martyrs, Fox's book of martyrs. Um, no, I want to say this. I want to be very clear. Nobody should go out and test God and go drink poison. But there have been accounts of Christians that were forced to, Christians have been beaten, persecuted, uh, f- subjected to physical harm, and yes, given poison, and they, they didn't die. Maybe not all survived, but I, I think at different periods of church history, we've seen all of these phenomenon in the miraculous power of God 
on the lives of, of his servants. I agree with you. And again, I say to you, we find all but the one of drinking poison in the book of Acts, you know? Yes, we do. And yeah. uh, again, like you said, the others, let me share with you. You say, well, why doesn't that happen? Notice, I believe with all my heart, Alex, you've experienced this about that time you were in South America, pioneer missionaries. When you yeah. go into an area where the gospel is not presented, the the word of God has not been translated, and you're dealing with people, there are those, uh, and he uses the word signs that would demonstrate the power of God. The word of God is, let me just say it this way, listen carefully. The word of God, the Bible, is more powerful than signs. In other words, the word of God and it being proclaimed and being preached and taught is greater than the signs themselves in bringing truth to the people who need to hear it. So, Alex, again, I, I agree with you. I believe this is part of the canon. I don't believe it was something that, okay, I, we'll stick that on there to, to make it different and look good, more dramatic. No, I believe it was there. And so, listen, I think it does this. We're not to tempt God. Jesus had to do that when Satan said, go and jump off the pinnacle. Don't know. You don't take up snakes. You don't drink poison just to say, okay, I'm going to prove my faith. No, you don't do that. But it does mean when I'm on mission for God, I can trust him regardless of the obstacle. If it if I drink the poison and it doesn't affect me, praise God. If I drink the poison and go to heaven, praise God. And but it do, you do not let fear. This is the whole idea. You do not let fear get in your way of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And as do you think I'm in the right context now, with I, that? I think you're you're right on the money. And uh let me say uh in 17 and 8 uh, 17 and 20 is the word signs, and, and the, the Greek word is very often translated miracles. Now, let me read 19. It says, So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth, the believers, and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following uh, miracles. Amen. Uh, Bert, Everywhere the church has gone, the power of God has been with the preaching of his word. And that power is still operative today. I, in fact, I really do think, you mentioned pioneer missions and where, look, I mean, there's, there's not a residue of Christianity and there has to be the miraculous intervention of God to really get people's attention. I think in the American church, we're almost back in that place where Amen. people are so hardened, so full of doubt, so mixed up and misled. Um, the main thing we need is the clear proclamation of the saving gospel, but we need intercessory prayer. We need uh, the presence of God, and we need a church that understands that we, we've got a supernatural message, and we've really got uh, a supernatural body of believers that are called to turn this world upside down for Christ. According to the Word of God, listen to what happens. Before the signs that are listed in verses 17 and 18, it says, preach the gospel. Before it says, accompanying the signs in verse 20, it says, preaching everywhere the Lord. And so this is it, is preaching the Word of God and let Him be the one that determines the signs. Let Him he is the one that determines that. I shouldn't use the word let. Expect him to do what is needed in order to make the word of God sure in their hearts. And Alex, I'll go back. The greatest sign Jesus gave it himself about his death. But here today, the greatest sign is a changed life. You remember that old song? It took a miracle to put the stars in space, you know, and all of that. But the greatest miracle of all was when he saved my soul. And Alex cleansed and made and me whole. whole, a changed life. The Bible says they will see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. It does not say to see your miraculous signs. It says see your life. That has the whole idea that your life does count. Uh, I know we've said it before. You're the only Bible some people read. Uh, so make sure your life is glorifying the Lord. Preach the gospel. And so, Alex, 
Uh, I love Mark. I love the ending of Mark, and it ends on servanthood, just like mm-hmm. Mark wanted it to, to show the servants of God that we are to serve others and go and preach the gospel to them. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, one thing that we're going to do over the next couple of days is answer some questions. We've kind of got a backlog of questions that have come in, and uh, those are always great. And then we're going to go into First, Second, and Third John, and so that's going to be really good. That will be uh, Monday when we uh, Monday yeah, exactly. we'll go in that. But tomorrow, which is Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to take that backlog in the first two segments, Wednesday and Thursday, and then on those days we'll take phone calls. But then on Friday. We'll have Fire Away Friday where we have questions. So we're going to answer a lot of questions the next two days. But while we're doing that, I want to take this opportunity. And we've you've heard some of the advertisements here on the radio, the Pastor and Wife Fishbowl Retreat. This year, it is September 26th, 27th, and 28th. It's the week before Pastor Appreciation Month. So in honor of your pastor, to appreciate them, let them and, and si- get their permission, sign them up, to the Fishbowl Retreat. It's going to be in Glen Rose, Texas at the River Bend Retreat Center. Just this afternoon, there's a couple that came by from Texas, and I was talking to them, telling them about the River Bend Retreat Center, and I was telling them that, and they said, oh, it's a beautiful place. Man, pastors and their wives need to just go there. Jeff and Debbie Shreve is going to be our guests, so Jan and myself, Jeff and Debbie, will be leading the conferences. We'll be leading the the time that we have together. And so you can go to repairingthefoundations.net, repairingthefoundations, that's plural, .net, and you can call. Or you can call here at AFR, and uh, you can get on our website, find out the the, the name, the number, and call extension 297, and, and Sonny will talk with you and, and sign you up. So, Alex, we're excited about the fishbowl retreat this year. No doubt. Well, it's a great thing. I had the privilege of speaking at one of the fishbowl retreats several years ago, and it was just a great blessing. Now, while we're talking about events, let me mention July 7 through 9, I'll be at the Cove in Asheville, North Carolina. The Billy Graham Training Center will be doing Second Peter. The theme is Thriving Till He Comes. Bert, there's a lot in the entire New Testament about the return of Christ, but I'll be teaching Second Peter, and the website is thecove.org. And uh, you, if you Google my name on the Cove website, I'd love to see you and meet you as we join with hundreds of people to get into the Word of God and to pray for America. Two beautiful places, the River River Bend Retreat Center, the Cove. Listen, you'll want to be there for one of those. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. Your Bible questions, 888-589-8840. Here's Bert Harper on the AFA Fishbowl Retreat 2023. We are so determined to come alongside the church and to support pastors who share Christ with others, but also stand in the gap for righteousness. And Fishbowl will encourage that pastor to be that kind of a man. Bert and his wife, Jan, are hosting again this year with speakers Jeff and Debbie Shreve from Real Truth for Today. Every difficulty that comes into your life and my life, it's a test of faith. The stormy sea where Jesus is asleep in the boat, that's a test of their faith, and they didn't do very well. And so most of the time when we ask that question why, God's response is, my child, just trust me. The AFA Fishbowl Retreat 2023, September 26th through the 28th at the Riverbend Retreat Center in beautiful Glen Rose, Texas. Register at repairingthefoundations.net, repairingthefoundations.net, or call 662 844 5036 extension 297 revival and spiritual awakenings to the gospel it's happening right now in asia this is bible league international and we spent the last few weeks telling you about the incredible need for bibles in the region of asia it's here where christianity is growing fastest around the world but at bible league we know that as many as nine of ten believers have no access to the bible in countries like china bangladesh sri lanka and thailand would you hear from ming he is in cambodia when i received bible from the church and i really love to read it read it again and because 
because of those reading, God is really blessing my heart. How is it here in America? Lots of Bibles, but maybe not a strong interest in reading them. Well, it's different in Asia. In fact, these believers, they're crying out for a Bible. So every gift made right now is the answer to the prayer of a Bibleist believer in Asia. Only $5 sends a Bible. $50 sends 10 $100 sends 20 Would you pray about it and then call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. A woman shall not wear man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A bridal magazine out of India has featured a hairy male model wearing a dress on the latest digital cover of Brides Today, an English-language Indian publication. I guess the idolatry of diverse culture gets shoved to the back of the bus if those cultures don't comport with the sexual deviancy, social, political orthodoxy of our day. Do you really think the people of India celebrate this sexual and identity perversion as it's done in the West? They will try to force Indian culture to bow too. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded... Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Everybody here looking for revival In our own hearts and across the land That is a great song. You know, a few years ago I was down in Texas and the praise band at the church played that song. And I mean, they, they had it down perfectly as well. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to calls, the number 888-589-8840. And by the way, if you want to email a question in for one of our future shows, you can you can reach Bert and myself, word at AFR.net. But right, right now, Bert, on the telephones, where shall we go first? Let's go to the good state, great state of Arkansas and talk to Angela, a first-time caller. Yeah. Welcome, Angela. Hi, thank you so much. I love your program. Well, thank you for calling today. Bless you. Um, I was reading through the book of Luke, and I came to chapter 22, verse 36, and then also again in 38. Jesus tells his disciples um, that they need a sword and to get a sword. And I was just curious about that because... Other than whenever um, Peter cut off the servant's ear, I don't remember ever hearing them that they used swords. Okay. Well, uh, it was a sword, and to cut off an ear, Alex always found that, uh, how in the world do you cut a guy's ear off? I think the guard saw uh, Peter pull it out and headed toward him, and then he ducked. And got his head out of the way, but didn't get his ear out of the way. You know what I mean? Can you visualize mm-hmm. that the way it happened? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Let, let me just say we've shared this a number of times that God does give to nations and individuals the right to self defense. Now, I know that we talk about, you've heard people refer to the Bible as the sword, and maybe just the New Testament as the pocket knife, you know. But um, I, I really think it means this. And Bert, you know, I don't think it's wrong for a Christian to um, be prepared for self-defense. Obviously, we don't want to be the aggressor. See, Peter was the aggressor there in the garden, and that's why he got rebuked. But, um, you know, I, I think it having a sword then might have been like, you know, owning a firearm today, it was a means of self-defense. It was, and uh, I, I imagine Peter was not the only one. There were four fishermen. Can you imagine a fisherman without a knife, without a sword, yeah. with a, at least a long knife that we would consider a sword? Uh, it, it wasn't just for protection. It would be a livelihood thing with them, Alex, you know, because yeah, those I, nets. I thought of that, but Yeah, right. yeah, there, it was necessary. 
Angela, we hope that helps you. And, again, I always had a hard time seeing how Peter could cut off his ear. What did he do? Get up there and hold it and just whack it off? No, he was swinging it. I think he was – I think he was going for his head myself, Alex, and the guard ducked yeah. and just got his ear. So, uh, uh, yeah, you, you was talking about uh, movies and theaters. Uh, that would be <laughs> that that would be another good action film, would it not? <laughs> well, it would. And uh, you know what? It's interesting. I was just looking up the Greek word uh, that is translated in the English "sword." It's the Greek word from which we get the word machete, uh, and I know those can be shorter than a sword. I got to tell you, is the grace of God. If um, the the person in the Garden of Gethsemane had ducked and it just glanced his ear, that that was a blessing because Peter couldn't have preached at Pentecost if he was on Amen. trial for murder. Way to go, murder! Could. And then what did Jesus do? He put that he ear back on. Amen. Let's His go. last miracle before the cross. <laughs> it was Louisiana, and it's Mitch. Welcome, Mitch. Good afternoon, Bert and Alex. Hello there. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, you're on. Sure. Go ahead, brother. Okay. Good good afternoon, uh, guys. Um, I was listening to you guys last week, and we were talking about the uh, the book of life. And I started thinking about something. Uh, in Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you, I knew you. So my question would be, like, are some of us priests pre-elected for salvation? Or was our name written in the book of life before we were born? Fantastic question, Mitch. Matter of fact, let's give me a heads up. I'm preaching from Jeremiah chapter 1 Sunday at Auburn Baptist Church. For all those at Auburn are listening, you know what's headed your way. But notice the preordaining of him was to preach and to, to be the prophet. And Alex, and I, I, I believe there's some... T- the. A lot of the pre-election is for service, salvation. Did he know he'd be saved? I think he did, just like John the Baptist knew he'd be saved. And so God had laid out this act, this ministry of him being a prophet before he was even born. Isn't that something? Let let me read Romans 8, uh, 29 and 30. Uh, Paul writes in in Romans 8, um, "...for whom he did foreknow..." He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Um, in, in the larger context of this, Paul is talking about, well, Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good, ultimately. And then it says, you know, what... You know, if God be for us, who can be against us? And of course, the ending of Romans 8 is very, very beautiful. Uh, Neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, powers, things present, nor things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Let, Let me say what I think this doesn't mean. I don't think it means that God chooses some to elect and others to condemn. I really do think that when the Bible says, whosoever will may come, it really means whosoever will may come. But it does mean that those that get born again by putting their faith in Jesus will be conformed to the image of Christ. In other words, Bert, I think the Romans 8, 29 and 30, you could make a pretty, pretty compelling argument for eternal security of the believer. You, you really know? would, because that's the truth. And uh, listen... The sovereignty of God and the free will of man or man's accountability work together. Was it Charles Spurgeon said they were not enemies, Alex? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, uh, so yeah, wasn't it Spurgeon? They said, how do you reconcile the free will of man and the sovereignty of God? And Spurgeon said, well, you don't have to reconcile friends. <laughs> Amen. And he, this whole together. bottom line, folks, listen care You trust God. Adrian Rogers said, God determining who would go to hell before that, that's not predestination. That's fatalism. And mm. uh, I, I'll wow. say this. The Bible says we'll stand before God without excuse. The biggest excuse in the world that I could ever find out is God didn't choose me. God didn't choose oh, me. Oh, my word. And yeah, wow. uh, that, wow. listen, I, anyway, uh, Mitch, we hope that helps, brother. And those folks at Auburn, get ready for Jeremiah chapter 1. It is a blessed hope that we have in Christ. Let's talk to Patricia in Mississippi. Welcome, Patricia. Hi. 
Thank you for calling. What's your question? Hello? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, the true believers that have been saved, will we stand in judgment on the judgment day also? Okay. Alex, you go first this time. Well, uh, not in the sense of being saved or lost, but uh, do you know what? I will say this in 1 Corinthians 6, 2. It says that one day Christians will judge the world. Isn't that something? Uh, But we're not going to stand in judgment in terms of the risk of being put in hell. No, uh, your eternal destiny is settled and secure in this life by choosing Jesus. In fact, John 10, 28, Jesus says, uh, regarding believers, I give to them eternal life and they will never perish. Isn't that something? So if you're saved, there is no risk whatsoever of you going to hell. But what it does say, I believe, when it talks about appearing before the judgment seat of Christ, Bert, I think there'll be evaluation of everything that we do or don't do post-salvation. And there'll be rewards for faithfulness. There might be, for many, loss of rewards. For un- and there's gold, silver, precious stones, but there's also wood, hay, and stubble. It doesn't mean people are unsaved, but it does mean that Christians, their, their fidelity to Christ, their work for Christ, uh, there's, there's going to be an analysis and an according amount of rewards or not. Yeah, and, and this is what you want to do. You want to appear before him. Your goal is to hear him say, well done, well done. And so live for the Lord, not in judgment of condemnation, but in judgment of rewards is the judgment seat. It's called the Bema seat. It's like mm-hmm. uh, after the Olympics, you are standing there and you re- receive rewards when you run the race well. Thank you, Patricia. Let's stay in Mississippi and talk to Doug. Welcome, Doug, to Exploring the Word. How y'all doing today? Doing well, man. Yeah. You doing what part of Mississippi you from, Doug? Uh round two below. Okay. I hope uh, I thought that was you. Go ahead with your question, we're brother. We're pretty fond of two below. Yeah, we are. We are. Go ahead, Doug. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, my question is, was Moses the only one that bartered with God? <laughs> Great question. Uh, let's get what bartering is. It's trading here. I'll, I'll give you this. Give me that. Uh, Alex, he not only bartered with God something, but he also, quote, bartered with God about the people that he brought out. He was going to, God says, I believe I'll, I'll take care of them and start all over with Moses. But Moses said, oh, God, don't do that. You know, what will they say? So was he the only one that had that kind of a relationship with God, or was there others that you can think of? Uh, well, I think Abraham really kind of uh, bartered with God about the fate of Sodom. Yeah. You know? And, can uh, you find 50? How about 20? How about yeah, 10? <laughs> in Genesis chapter 18, and he says, look, uh, if— you know, Lord, be not angry. If if ten righteous men be found there, uh, please don't destroy it. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. Uh, so l- let me say God is sovereign. Um, we're not bartering with God, and you don't strike a deal. I, th- I think sometimes when people are maybe facing some frightening situation, people try to bargain with God. Let me tell you, better, better, better than any deal you think you could strike with God, which we can't do, is to trust the Lord Amen. and say, Lord, and, and I know, Bert, I've, I've counseled with people that had a very devastating health diagnosis, and that's always very sad. And maybe the stages of fear and grief in, include bargaining. Here's, here's a quick thing to do, and this is the right thing to do. Trust God and say, Lord, um, I I need your help with what I do understand. Lord, I I need your help, and I need to trust you for things I don't understand. But, Lord, in all of my life, thy will be done. And do you know what? That's the wisest thing and the safest thing any of us could ever do. Well said, brother. Remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they was about to be thrown into the fire furnace, and they said to the king, Our God is able to deliver us, but if he chooses not to deliver us, 
we're still not going to bow down to you. That's not bothering. That is proclaiming and trusting God. And that's what we want to do and say, God, I trust you no matter the outcome because you are the one that we can trust. Thank you for that great question, Doug. Let's go to Indiana and talk to Dave. Dave, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. How are you guys today? We're doing okay. Hmm. Oh, that's great. I just had a prayer request, if you could help me out. We'll pray. Go ahead, Dave. What is that prayer request, brother? Uh, My daughter, she's 31, just got diagnosed diagnosed with um, stage 4 cancer, and my mom has um, dementia. Wow. Can we have your daughter's? Do you mind? We don't have to have it. Do you mind us having her first name? Amanda. Amanda. Okay. Wow. Those yeah. of you that are listening, get a piece of paper, write Amanda down. What? What's your mother's name? Betty. Maddie. We want to pray for them, don't we, Alex? We do. Uh, first of all, our compassion and condolences go out to you, brother. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry for for this. I know this this can't be easy, but we will pray for Amanda and for your mother as well. Father, I pray right now that you would help Dave in the name of Jesus. Give him strength to be that person, not bargaining with you just like we've just talked to, but trusting you. But we pray, Father, you'd be with Amanda. Help her. I pray for I, I pray for healing, God. But if not, <clears throat> we'll still trust you. I pray for Maddie, Father, that you would help her during this period of time. It's difficult on everyone. And, Father, I pray that your grace would be sufficient for Dave and others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to try to get at least one more call in. So it's Jack from Texas. Welcome, Jack. Don't have a lot of time. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yes. Okay, uh, so I wanted to make a comment, and I wanted you to comment on my comment. So uh, this is actually out of John. When Jesus is uh, prepared to go to the cross, and he takes the time to pray in front of them so that they learn. And when he said... Uh, Father, I pray this not only for those who hear me, but for everyone who will believe through their message. And I think that was a training camp for them that he took them through to duplicate and duplicate and duplicate his model, right? So that mm-hmm. is based on the Word, the power of the Word, but it also, it, it's where the works, uh, you'll do these works the same way that I do, but, but greater than these. Pray, mm-hmm. amen. Acts, mm-hmm. uh, 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 John seventeen yeah. twenty. Go ahead, Alex, talk about it. Got a minute left. Jesus says, uh, and he's praying, this is the high priestly prayer. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them who also shall believe through their word. See, that's part of the Great Commission, uh, folks. You and I are the, the current link in a chain of obedience and proclamation that goes all the way back to the early church. And so, Bert, isn't that something? In every generation, we have a purpose and a calling to tell the world of the Savior. Amen. What a purpose we have. It is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And the old hymn says, wafted on the rolling tide, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. That's good news, isn't it, Alex? Hey, are we giving the winds a mighty voice, as that song says? (laughs) We should. Hey, we're going to be back tomorrow with questions and answers. You don't want to miss Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.